Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. This week, we're going to be doing a deep dive into multitasking. This is one of those topics that I frequently mention in episodes, but I've never featured before. Not because it doesn't deserve its own episode, but because multitasking is actually a fairly complicated issue, and it's going to take a bit of time to dissect. So this is actually going to be the first episode in a series on multitasking, and in that we'll try to really dig into the nitty-gritty of it. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about what multitasking is and what it isn't. Then we'll work on some ways to really drive home the time cost of multitasking, and then we'll finish up by looking at some of the ways that multitasking can actually put us in harm's way. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash multitasking. Before we get started, I'd just like to invite you to check out the Hacking Your ADHD Patreon. The show is free to listen to, but I put a lot of effort into every episode. So if you love the show, have the means, and would like to support it, I'd appreciate you heading over to hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon and checking out what I have to offer. If you want even more Hacking Your ADHD, at the $10 tier, you can get bonus content every month with minisodes that don't appear on the podcast. So just head over to hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon and find the tier that's right for you. All right, keep on listening to find out how many other things you should be doing at the same time as listening to this podcast. If you've been listening to my podcast regularly, you've probably heard me talk about some of the problems with multitasking and how it's actually just task switching. That is, that our brains can't actually do two things at once, so they are just quickly switching back and forth between the two tasks, or maybe even three or four tasks. There are three kinds of multitasking. There's classic multitasking, and this is where we're trying to perform more than one task at the same time. We can think texting while driving or talking on the phone while answering email. Then we have rapid task switching. This is where we're just going from one task to another in quick succession. This one's a bit more amorphous, but also very classically ADHD, where we're just switching from tab to tab and checking something on our phone and then clearing some stuff off our desk. We're not trying to do things at the same time, but we also don't have a clear direction of where we're going. And finally, we have interrupted task switching. This is where we're interrupted from one task and switch what we're doing before we finish that first task. This one can be harder to notice because it's what's keeping us busy all day putting out fires. It's getting that email while we're working on a report and finding out that we have to be working on something different. It may not feel like multitasking, but it serves the same purpose and is definitely a form of context switching. So those are the three types of multitasking that we're going to be regularly encountering. It's important that we understand the difference between these types of multitasking because they are all going to need different solutions to overcome them. For example, with interrupted task switching, That mainly comes from interruptions, so we can work on that by limiting notifications and setting up times where we're not going to get interrupted. But that's not going to help much with the rapid task switching, where we're just jumping from one task on our to-do list to the next without any regard to grouping any kind of tasks together. And here's the trick. Sometimes multitasking isn't the worst thing in the world. For example, what about the things where we can actually do something simultaneously? I often go on walks and listen to podcasts. That's two things at once. Or I'll be folding laundry while watching TV. Again, two things at the same time. So what's the deal here? 
Am I suffering some sort of unseen consequence when I'm doing these two things at the same time? The answer is yes, but also it depends. When we're talking about multitasking, we're usually thinking about doing two cognitive tasks at the same time. That is, two things that we're going to need to sustain our attention on. Like our example of talking on the phone while answering emails, or maybe just watching YouTube videos while scrolling Instagram. In both those examples, both of the things require our attention to actually do anything. But with something like walking, that's not actually a cognitive task we need to stain our attention for. And this is actually kind of cool, because what's happening is that our spinal cord has these neural circuits that can generate patterns of flexion and extension that make us walk. Basically, our spinal cord can handle walking on its own without the help of our brain. Of course, there is going to be some cost to unloading these patterns from our brain, but they tend to be too small for us to notice. And to be fair, we also have issues where people are so intent looking at things on their phone that they're oblivious to the world around them. Accidentally walking into a signpost or into a hole because we're focused on our phone is something we're probably going to want to avoid. Of course, at that point, we're also using our eyes to focus on something other than where we're putting our feet. So if we're just listening to podcasts on our walk, we're probably fine. As for folding laundry and watching TV, well, that is going to have a cost, albeit one that we might be willing to pay. We're not going to be as focused on folding our laundry, so it might take a little longer. And we're also not going to be focused on the TV, so we're probably going to miss something from our show. But the costs here are going to be fairly limited. It doesn't take a whole lot of cognitive capacity to fold laundry. So I'm going to be able to follow along with what I'm watching easily enough. Of course, there will be times when I'm trying to get something from the bottom of the laundry basket, and it's stuck to something else, and then I'll have to do a little mental juggling to both unstick the shirt and follow along with the TV. Am I going to miss something? Possibly. I might not see a little smirk that's foreshadowing an event later in the series, or I might not miss anything. So there is going to be a cost here, but it's probably not going to be too large. Now, on the other hand, if I was watching TV and scrolling Instagram, I'm actually way more likely to miss stuff because it takes way more cognitive capacity to read through those posts and process the pictures on Insta. However, it's not going to feel like I'm missing anything because, well, I won't know what I missed. So maybe put the phone away for those things you might actually like to pay attention to. You know, like other people. One of the interesting aspects of multitasking is that people who think they're good at multitasking tend to be the worst at actually doing it. While it can seem like multitasking is a time saver, it actually takes more time for us to complete two tasks at the same time than it would if we had just been single tasking. I know this is a hard pill to swallow because it's not something our brain processes well. So what we need here is a practical example. And I found an amazingly easy experiment to try this out with. So easy that you could try it out now if you want. It doesn't take more than a couple minutes to complete. All you're going to need for this is a timer. First, you time yourself counting 1 to 26 out loud. And we're not trying to go for a speed record here. Just go at a nice, comfortable pace. Next, time yourself reciting the alphabet A to Z. Again, just go at a comfortable pace. I know I can slur my words and say the whole thing in a couple of seconds, but that's not our goal here. All right, so now that we have those two times, we're going to do our last task. And so for this last task, we're going to combine those first two tasks and interlace what we're saying. So it's going to be like A1, B2, C3. If you want, you can give the podcast a pause to try this out. Just don't forget to come back. Okay, how'd you do? I got 12 and 13 seconds for the first two tasks and then a whopping minute and 41 seconds for the second task. So it took me four times as long to do the combined version. 
Admittedly, I did this right after lunch, so I might have been a bit groggy. While I was doing this, I was also thinking, hey, you know what? I really know how to do both of those first two tasks. I mean, I've been singing my ABCs while washing my hands the whole pandemic. So yeah, I have a lot of practice with those. This led me to think about how I'd fare on tasks that I wasn't so well versed on. So I came up with an alternate version of the experiment. For my second trial, I used a similar concept. Except now I did the ABCs backwards. So my ZYXWs. And then to make counting a little bit trickier, I started at 52 and counted down by twos. And then for the third one, I then combined the two ideas again. So Z52, Y50, X48, W46. And let me tell you, that test was a heck of a lot harder on my brain. Because while I have practiced my ABCs backwards before, I mean, who hasn't gotten bored and decided to try and learn the alphabet backwards, right? So even though I knew everything of this test, it still didn't come to me naturally. In this version, I got 46 seconds on my ZYXWs and 37 seconds on my counting exercise for a combined total of 1 minute and 23 seconds. And then, on the interlaced version, I got 2 minutes and 19 seconds. So it took me roughly one and a half times longer to do the combined version. Both sets of results tell an interesting story, because while I started off with doing the modified version because I felt I was too practiced with just counting and singing my ABCs, I also realized that practice tasks are the ones we're most likely to feel like we can multitask well with. Of course, when I'm actually trying to multitask, I'm not going to be interlacing my tasks quite as much as I did with that experiment. I do something more like singing the ABCs A to L, and then count to 15, and then do M through the and then finish counting up to 26. Nonetheless, that is going to take me longer to do than if I had just finished one task and moved on to the next one. One of the problems is that we often don't know how long we're actually supposed to take doing certain things. When I'm answering an email, I don't have a good idea of how long it should take. So if I try and multitask and end up taking twice as long on that email, I'm not going to notice because for me, that's just how long it took. When I'm trying to multitask, I'm creating a mental strain that I'm not really noticing. I mean, I could feel it when I was doing the interlaced alphabet and counting because I could feel how much more effort it took, but no way did it feel like it was taking four times as long. As for our second set of results, that was also an interesting case study. While it did take longer for me to do the interlaced counting, it wasn't dramatically longer. I was kind of surprised by the results because I was expecting to see more of an amplified result there. But it makes sense when we're comparing three unpracticed skills. What I really took away from the test was how mentally straining it was to combine those two tasks. It felt like I never had a grasp of where I was at, and I kept wondering where I was making mistakes, because of course I was probably counting at the wrong place or inserting the wrong letter some of the time. It might be interesting to have someone record what you were saying to see if these matched up with, well, reality, so that you could actually see where you're making those mistakes. And I imagine that had I been writing it down myself, it would have been much easier for me to process, because then I could see what I had just previously put down, and I wouldn't have had to keep what I previously said in my working memory while I was trying to figure out the next number and letter combination. So if you didn't try out the experiment, I definitely suggest that you do. It was more eye-opening for me than I expected. In my head, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp of the concept that task switching increased the amount of time things take, but boy howdy, it made it way more clear when I actually tried it out for myself and could see it. Because we're multitasking so much, multitasking can often appear to be just a harmless function of modern society. This is especially true now with our constant companions. You know, our phones. I'm trying to think of the last time I didn't have my phone with me. Pretty much the only time that happens is at bedtime and forget to grab it when I'm going out for a walk. 
But if I'm leaving the house for any extended period of time, it's always with me. And of course, we did discuss earlier that sometimes multitasking isn't so bad. Listening to music and doing homework, not so much of an issue. But let's take something like texting while driving, and we can then have dire consequences. Or not. And that is part of the insidious nature of multitasking. Often, it is hard for us to really see the issue when there isn't a clear consequence. There have been many instances where I was driving and decided to just quickly answer a text. Most of the time, my biggest issue is I get honked at because I was sitting at a green light. Unfortunately, this creates a false sense that I'm just not one of those people that get super distracted while I'm texting. Let me be clear here. In this case, I am not special. You are not special. Nobody is special in this case. Texting while driving is incredibly dangerous because we're far more likely to get distracted than we think. And what's really going on with our brains here? What is going on here that makes texting and driving so dangerous? Well, if we go back to our earlier definitions, when we're texting and driving, we're looking at that classic definition of multitasking of trying to do two things at once. But the whole idea of multitasking is a misnomer. All multitasking is actually task switching. Our brain can't actually process two things at once. So even with this idea of doing two things at once, our brain is just quickly shifting back and forth between things. So quickly that we don't even tend to notice it. But that shifting attention means we're not paying nearly as much attention on either thing. This is a big deal while driving. Studies have found that it takes us approximately five seconds to read an average text message. And sure, there's shorter ones that will take much less. But if our brain is focused on reading for even one second, that means during that time, what we aren't doing is driving. We're just letting that hulk of metal keep propelling itself on its own accord. That's kind of a sobering perspective for me, that when I'm texting and driving, what I'm actually doing is driving, then texting, and then driving again. But during that time, the car doesn't stop, and I'm not in control of it. That's scary stuff. If I'm going 30 miles per hour, that's 44 feet per second, which means that if it takes me five seconds to read a text, that's roughly 220 feet. And at any point during that 220 feet, I might have to react to something. But if I'm distracted, it's going to take me that much longer to react. Of course, as I mentioned, usually I'm doing these things at a stoplight. Where's the harm in that, right? Well, firstly, it gives us that sense that what we're doing, eh, well, it's not that bad. That having our phone ready and within reach while driving is a-okay. When we're doing that, we're just normalizing things that we may not really want to be normalizing. Remember, we have ADHD and we're impulsive. When the phone is right there, it is hard for us to ignore. And even if we're ignoring notifications, we're still going to feel like we need to check because, well, what if it's important? And this also enters us into that third kind of task switching, the interrupted task switching, where we're going from one thing and switch tasks. And our worry here is context switching. Let's say you hear your notification while you're driving along. But we're being good. We don't check it. Except now our brain is wondering about that notification. Is it important? Okay, well, we'll check it at the next stoplight. Well, fuck me. All green lights. Okay, finally got to a place where I can look. Oh, man, that's just a wall of text. Okay, I'll just read it real quick and, oh, green again. We can easily see how distracting those thought patterns are here. And what if we had a chance to start answering, but the light changed before we finished answering? Well, now we're either going to finish what we wanted to write while we're driving, or we're going to have to let those thoughts float around in our head while we wait for the next red light. So let's go back to this idea of task switching, which is that since we can't do two things simultaneously, we switch back and forth. When we're mentally juggling all of these different tasks, we're also dividing our attention. When we switch from one task to another, it takes our brain time to refocus on what we were originally doing. 
So when we're texting at a stoplight, we're switching our context from our driving to texting, and then we think we can go right back to driving. But it actually takes our brain a while to catch up. And while we're doing that, we're not nearly as focused on what we should be doing. And taking this idea out of this example, we have the same problem all day long. With ADHD, we can have a lot of trouble with transitions from one thing to the next, and that's all about context switching. We need to give ourselves a chance to get ready for the next thing. And with all the distractions that multitasking bring, it makes it harder and harder to make that happen. Now, I'm going to cut it short here and acknowledge that there's a lot more to say about multitasking because it's a complicated topic and we're bound to have lots of questions, especially about how to stop. I'll be back next week with part two in this series, and hopefully I can get some of those questions answered. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, there are three kinds of multitasking. There's classic multitasking, where we're trying to perform more than one task at the same time. Rapid task switching, where we're just going from one task to another in quick succession. And interrupted task switching, where we're interrupted from one task and switch what we were doing without finishing that first task. 2. When we're talking about multitasking, we're primarily concerned with doing two cognitive tasks at the same time that require sustained attention. This means something like walking and listening to a podcast are fine to do because neither carries a huge cognitive load. 3. We often try to multitask at things that we're already fairly practiced at, but this means that we're going to suffer even more of a penalty as we try to combine doing them with other things. 4. Don't text and drive. Seriously, don't even play with your phone while you're behind the wheel. When we're mentally juggling all of these things, we're dividing our attention, and it takes time for us to refocus on what we really need to be doing. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, you can find them at hackingyouradhd.com slash multitasking. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at hackingyouradhd. Or the best way you can connect with me is over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And now be sure to check out the network's newest show, ADHD Diversified with MJ Siemens. I also do a live Q&A with the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. Today, I've got a great outdoor tip for you. If you're ever in a canoe and it flips over, don't worry. You can just wear it on your head because it's capsized. <laughs>